1: Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. Thank you for joining us. Uh, with me on this edition of the program, I've got a special guest. Uh, he's the Dean of Theology at Southern Seminary, also the pastor of Buck Run Baptist Church in Frankfort, Kentucky, Herschel York. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It's
0: great to be with you. Really yeah. delighted.
1: Yeah. Hey, uh, since this is uh, airing at, at Christmas, this is Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day, when this is being played across Kentucky, I thought it'd be good to talk about what's being celebrated. Of course, everybody's into Christmas in Kentucky. They've got the Christmas trees up, and you hear the Christmas music, and everybody's been buying gifts. And thank goodness for Amazon, by the way. That really has helped me a lot. In my... <laughs> me too. <laughs> I, really, I, I really don't like going into the malls and shopping. And A little confession there for, for all of you. But... Uh, We celebrate this major event out of the year, and I wonder, Herschel, how many people really understand what is at the heart of Christmas and what it is we're
0: celebrating? Well, you know, in the United States, I think probably most people get that it's about uh, the coming of a Savior. I don't think that they know what is actually behind that. It gets mixed in with Santa Claus and tinsel and presents and all that, but I think most people know, you know, if you've ever seen uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, you heard uh, Linus recite the passage from Luke chapter 2, and uh, which basically tells the Christmas story. I think what people don't get, though, is when we talk about Jesus coming uh, as a baby in a manger, being, this is more than just the birth of a child. Uh, the birth of Jesus was different than any other birth because... Uh, first of all, he was born of a virgin. That's an important part of the Christmas story, that he was not the the product of uh, of a, a human relationship between a man and a woman, but that he was in fact God who had come in the flesh, yeah. and and that's the part I think most people don't get is that Jesus is God. Jesus always existed yeah. uh, before there was a universe before there was time Jesus existed and so that god came to the earth in the in what we call the incarnation and that's that's really the story of christmas
1: that's a pretty big event when you talk about the god of the universe who spoke everything into existence who actually breaks into history as a human being it's a pretty big deal and and yet it seems today so that, that this Christmas story is peripheral, where the central things are all about gift giving and the music and the Christmas parties, and that's all good and well. But we forget this major, major event that really changed the course of history. In fact, we measure time by the birth of Christ, it's uh, BC or AD. And if I, I, I just wonder, Herschel, if we really grasp that, it seems that. That we don't grasp that truth, um, that or, and if, at best peripherally, but wonder what, what would happen is if if we truly understood and and celebrated Christmas with that central reality in mind. I don't know if that makes sense because it yeah. seems like we're missing the point. Well, in, it, in
0: much of it. It, it, it uh, let me put it this way: I think we're not missing the point as much as we're avoiding the point. You know the the good. The good thing about what people have called the war on Christmas, uh, you know, know, so many businesses now want to say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas is that they recognize that there is a theology behind Christmas. And that's why they avoid talking about it. Uh, So many of the Christmas songs that we sing, you know, now in department stores, they're they're not going to play those anymore. You know, they they play the things about jingle bells and winter, but uh, you know, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. That's theology. That's a that is about the incarnation, and I think that the the world is recognizing it more and more because they are, they're saying, oh, we're 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 not going to acknowledge that that's true. You uh, you you.
1: Refer, referenced uh, Charles Wesley's Hark the Herald Angels sing deep theology it, it you know that's got to be one of my tops too because of the of the theology and the deep message that's there part of it's that you know god and sinner reconciled and this idea of the god of the universe which i have a hard time getting my mind around and Herschel, you're a theologian you're the dean of theology at southern i don't know how and you're a great thinker by the way but I don't know if it's within our capacity as human beings to grasp the idea of God uh, coming down into this world as a human being. Is that something that's comprehensible to the average mind?
0: Well, what we can know about it is what God has told us. <laughs> and uh, that does not mean that we can understand it uh, fully, but we can understand what God has said. We know from the Bible, John chapter 1 that Jesus is called the word of God and that he was with God always. And we know from the scriptures that, uh, that the Holy Spirit, uh, planted the seed within Mary and that this God who created the universe, uh, uh, the one of whom Solomon said the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, uh, that God, became a little baby thing inside of Mary and was born, and God wore diapers. I mean, we we can't lose sight of that, that he is fully human, that he really does become one of us and walks among us. Did
1: he do that, Herschel, and let's get into some theology, to better identify with our condition, to see what it would be like to live as a human being?
0: Well, it's more than that. It is that. There's no question he 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 does come to identify with us uh, because as Paul wrote in Galatians he was born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who are under the law so we are we're in condemnation we're under the condemnation of the law Jesus became born of a woman born under the law not merely to identify with us so that he could be a sympathetic. Uh, Savior, though he is that, he's more than that, he's the Redeemer. He came not only to identify with us, but to save us from our sins.
1: To live a perfect, sinless life, to become that perfect sacrifice to make atonement for our
0: sins. Right. This is what the angel said of Jesus, that he shall save his people from their sins. And so when Jesus came, he came not only to identify with us, but to take upon himself the sins of all his people. And as he went to Calvary, he bore that sin and he paid the, the price of God's wrath and justice there on Calvary. So Christmas is inextricably uh, connected to Easter. You can't separate them because it's, it's part of the same story. It's of God's redemption of his people.
1: On that note, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more of the Commonwealth Matters. Hi, this is Richard Nelson with the Commonwealth Policy Center. As you know, the Commonwealth Matters program engages the important issues of the day from a biblical worldview. We believe this program is important because our culture is foundering in a post-truth age where we no longer share a moral reference point for right and wrong. And we're glad to bring you perspective that you don't often hear about in mainstream news outlets. But you know, it takes great time and resources to produce this program, and we could use your help. Would you consider a year-end gift to help with our mission? You can make a donation online at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. Or you can send a gift to the Commonwealth Policy Center at P.O. Box 5, Herndon, Kentucky, 42236. Again, you can go online at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. Thanks for your consideration, and may God bless you and your family with a great start to the new year. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and it's a pleasure to have Herschel York joining us today. He is the Dean of Theology at Southern Seminary, and we're talking about Jesus. Since it's Christmas, it'd be good to talk about what uh, is behind Christmas and what it is that we celebrate. And in the previous segment, we were talking about who he was and what he came to do. And uh, Herschel, you know, today... Here in Kentucky, and for the most part across the country, most Americans identify as being Christian. In Kentucky, it's upwards of 70% that identifies being Christian. Now, that term, being a Christian, means so many different things. But what does it biblically mean to be a Christian or a follower of Jesus? How would you define that?
0: Well, that, that's great, the way you describe it in that second phrase, because one can be sociologically a Christian, But really, not know Jesus. Uh, But to be a follower of Jesus means that you've made a conscious decision, a commitment. And so you ask the question what is it that Jesus wants of us? And you know, and this is what the Bible says is that he wants us to believe that he is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose from the dead. And this this is a scandalous thing, mm-hmm. because we have innately in us this idea that uh, that the way to go to heaven is by being a good person, mm-hmm. and somehow there's going to be uh, this grand scale on which the deeds of our lives are placed, and and our good deeds hopefully will uh, outweigh the bad deeds, and we'll go to heaven, or uh, we believe that God is is able to just sort of ignore our sin and like a doddering old grandfather just welcome all of his his uh, disobedient children into heaven anyway. Yeah. But the Bible says that we're all sinners, we're all under condemnation, but Jesus came specifically to pay the penalty of our sins and he rose from the grave to show that God had accepted this sacrifice and now whoever believes in him can have eternal life. That just seems too good to be true.
1: It takes a lot of faith to believe
0: that. I
1: mean, just a few in the previous segment, we were talking about Jesus uh, being born of a virgin, he, no earthly father, but uh, being, and then living a perfect sinless life and, and dying that perfect death on the cross and accomplishing salvation for us. So that first part of the story of Jesus is. is tough to believe, but then this whole idea that one person came into the world, not just a person, but God himself, came to to give his life up for us and died on a cross, rose again from the
0: grave three days later,
1: in order to give us life, it all sounds scandalous. It sounds hard to believe.
0: Well, it it does, because what it means is that good people go to hell, Mm -hmm. and bad people go to heaven. Mm -hmm. And that that goes against our self-righteousness. We think that I should be able to achieve my salvation, but what the Word of God says is that that we all have sinned and come short of God's glory, that the reality is there are no good people, that we are, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. And so no one can measure up, and the only way we can go to heaven is by accepting what Jesus did on our behalf, and that is an act of faith. All the way back in the Old Testament, when it it says of Abraham that Abraham believed God, and God counted that faith, that belief, as righteousness, and that's the pattern throughout the Scripture, is that what God counts as righteousness is faith. Now, it's not a it's not a a, a mere intellectual assent. It's not a mere head knowledge. It's a commitment of a life. It is a decision to follow Him, to believe Him, to trust Him, and and then because we believe Him, we want to obey Him and to be like Him.
1: I'm glad that you you said that it's not a mere intellectual assent. It's there's actually meat put on those bones. It does take uh, the 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 assent. You you do confess Christ, but then it has to have some fruit to it. There has to be some action that follows. That I'm afraid. In my experience with the churches, and I've been to churches all across Kentucky, good people, by the way, but I'm concerned, maybe a better way to put it, of many people who attend regularly, but they don't have this saving faith. They might be a cultural Christian, or that they might go to church because that's what their family does, but as far as having a relationship with the Lord that produces fruit that's shown in their lives, I don't know if I'm seeing that. And the reason I say that, speaking from personal experience, but... I look at our culture here, Herschel, and I see where we are uh, with so many social ills. We, we're in the middle of an epidemic of drugs. We have major issues with pornography. There is uh, child abuse, neglect. You name the different social indicators, and we have a culture that doesn't reflect people walking with Jesus. And I'm just wondering how that those who might be fooled into thinking— and, I don't want to go too far in that direction. I'm concerned that there are cultural Christians who really don't have a relationship with
0: the Lord. Well, that's right. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a hen house makes you a chicken. You, you have to truly commit your life to Christ. It is a decision that then shows itself valid by the way that you live. And uh, this is, Again, what you see in the scripture, John the Baptist refused to baptize some people. He said, you need to go bring me some works that are fitting for repentance Mm -hmm. that shows your repentance is real. Jesus himself said that on the day of judgment, there are going to be many who will say to him, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? and Didn't we do mighty works in your name? And Jesus said, I will say to them, depart from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you. That's a sobering thought to think that people can do religious activity, but it's still an honor to the Lord because they don't really know him.
1: I believe that's Matthew chapter 25, and it's one of the scariest passages in Scripture because on that day of judgment, there are people that are going to have a a rude awakening where they really thought that they were followers of Jesus, but their hearts were far from him. Jesus says, of course, that's where he separates the sheep from the goats. And he looks at the goats who uh, had the wrong motives, really. They did not have that relationship. And he said, depart from me. But to the sheep, he said, you know, when, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you visited with me. And uh, those are the works, the, the, the fruit in their lives that demonstrated that they did have true relationship with the Savior.
0: That's right. Jesus also told the story about a Pharisee, and a publican, a tax collector, who was like the most hated person in Israel. Yeah. And the Pharisee, he stands on the street corner and he he prays very publicly and he prays to be seen of men. But the publican beats his chest and he says, oh, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And Jesus said only one of those went away justified. Yeah. And it was the one who realized what a sinner he was and called on God for mercy. That's the faith that God values and counts as righteousness. And
1: Herschel, that's the kind of heart change we need to see. If we're a follower of Jesus, it begins with this deep repentance where we confess our sins and we acknowledge that we're sinners separated from a holy God. and We need to grasp that at a very deep level in our hearts in order for that true reconciliation to begin, where that true relationship begins at that point without that repentance. You really don't have the new relationship. That's right. With that said, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, this is Richard Nelson with the Commonwealth Policy Center. As you know, the Commonwealth Matters program engages the important issues of the day from a biblical worldview. We believe this program is important because our culture is foundering in a post-truth age where we no longer share a moral reference point for right and wrong. And we're glad to bring you perspective that you don't often hear about in mainstream news outlets. But you know, it takes great time and resources to produce this program, and we could use your help. Would you consider a year-end gift to help with our mission? You can make a donation online at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org or Or you can send a gift to the Commonwealth Policy Center at P.O. Box 5, Herndon, Kentucky, 42236. Again, you can go online at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. Thanks for your consideration, and may God bless you and your family with a great start to the new year. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and with me is Herschel York. And on this Christmas, we are talking about Jesus, uh, who he is, what he came for, and what does it mean for those followers of of his? How does that look uh, in their lives? As we were talking in the previous segment, many people do identify as being followers of Jesus, and yet the fruit isn't always there. Herschel, I see our statistics that show Kentucky is way behind in so many categories, and, uh, whether it's personal health, whether it's addiction issues, uh, crime and violence. We have all kinds of issues across society that do not reflect uh, a people that's by and large following Jesus. I think if there was a, uh, up to 70% or so of Kentuckians identify as being followers of Jesus, I don't think our culture would be where it is today if that was in fact true. Um, So what does it look like if if we're to put meat on the bones of this idea for a follower of Jesus? How does that look in public? We know we talked about having that uh, repentance, confessing your sins, having a real heart change. It's more difficult to actually demonstrate that in public. We get a lot of pushback. We get... Uh, people that will will say, keep your religious values to yourself, or you can't do this here, or even saying Merry Christmas. That's controversial in some quarters. But what does that look like in the public
0: arena, if you will? You know, the will of God is always, first and foremost, that we be like Jesus. uh, And that repentance and confession of sins is merely the doorway into salvation and a relationship with Jesus. And the more we love Jesus, we, we love him because we know him through his word. We know him because his Holy Spirit bears witness with us. We know him because we're with other believers that spend time with him. And in all these ways, God uses the, these things to make us more like Jesus. And that's going to affect every area of our lives. You know, we've seen a lot in recent days about the so-called Me Too movement and uh, sexuality. Well, here's the reality if if christians would just simply live out the sexual ethic of the scriptures you know, one uh, uh one man for one woman for life in a marriage covenant relationship yeah. uh, and that's the only context for marriage then uh you're you're not going to have uh, the kinds of sexual abuse and things that we've yeah. seen uh and you can just go down the line the way we we treat our fellow man the way we We love people of every ethnicity and background, and uh, we don't make distinctions. We're no respecter of persons, as uh, the Bible puts it. All of those things are shaped in us because of a love for and a likeness to Christ. And that's gonna affect the way we live out our lives publicly, so that if we are in business, a businesswoman, a businessman, if we're a politician, Uh, Whatever we do, we're doing it for the glory of the Lord. We're doing it as Christ would have us do because he's actually living through us. There's there's really only been one Christian life ever lived, and Jesus lived it. And so the only way I can live a Christian life is for Jesus to live his life through me. And that's that's really what the Christian life is. So
1: this private confession, this private faith, if you will, has public ramifications, or it's, it's seen publicly. You mentioned marriage. It's the one man, one woman for life. Uh, it's other moral boundaries that somebody might live out. Uh, and, of course, there there are um, people who would say, well, you can have moral boundaries and you can live a good life without Jesus. That's just, Herschel, you're just imposing there's other ways to God besides Jesus. And that seems to be a popular sentiment today. How do, you, how do you respond to that?
0: Well, Jesus was very clear himself. His own testimony of himself was, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And so God has made this offer of salvation free to everyone. But there's only one way to come so you can anyone can come to to god but they can't come their own way they have to come god's way and the god way is through his son jesus christ
1: often you'll hear a response to that people will say well that's narrow that's there's god if if, of course if god is truly loving he'd give more than just one way how do you respond to that
0: well i'll say it is narrow it's narrow jesus himself said. That uh, the road to destruction is broad, mm-hmm. but the narrow road that leads to eternal life uh, is the one that we should seek. He says, enter in at that narrow gate. And so it, it is, it's narrow in the sense that we, we can't broaden it and enlarge it so that you come any old way to God, but it is available to anyone who will come God's way. Yeah.
1: The word of the year a couple of years ago was post truth, and I, I would say that we do live in a post truth society where often you hear people say, "Well, that's your truth, but here's my truth." There's no accepted um, foundation for truth anymore. So how do we how do we argue those followers of Jesus that are pointing to Him as the only way? How do we enter that conversation? Uh, do is there even a begin a starting point to enter that?
0: I think so. It gets down to one thing, and that is, did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? If he did, then he is exactly who he said he is, and there's only one way to God. If he did not, if that's just simply something that uh, people have constructed and we've invented a religion, then all religions are really equally hopeless. But. The, the truth is that Jesus rose from the dead God raised him up this has been the testimony of of uh, up to 500 people saw him at one time after he rose from the dead and and the very same disciples that were fearful and fled uh, at the crucifixion after they saw the risen Jesus they were willing to give their lives for the truth of that gospel and so it has been through the centuries that uh, people have seeing the truth of who Christ is and that he is the only way he's available to anyone who will turn to him in repentance and faith trusting that he died for their sins and that he rose from the grave on their behalf and so that's the question it's easy to believe in a Jesus who walked on the water if you believe believe that he got him from the dead so that is the that's always the question that uh, we have to investigate and Either that's objectively true or it's not true at all. There is no middle ground.
1: And on that word, we're going to have to close. Herschel York, thank you so much for joining us. It's been good to have you with us.